0: Ba-chalom. Ba-chalom. You ever get the feeling of being overwhelmed by noise? We live in such a loud metropolis, the surround-sound city, normalized noise, ambient assaults on our auditory areas that cause us actual pain. Health professionals tells us, tell us that unwanted noise is damaging to our health, it stresses our bodies leads to hypertension and cardiovascular disease. Mental health experts warn of anxiety and aggression. They caution against the kind of noise that we are subjected to every single day. The roar of 18-wheelers, the constant honking, the ambulances, the screeching subways, the pounding jackhammers jacking us up, and the crashing construction bringing us down or even just the normal day-to-day yelling that is assumed to be the God-given right of every New Yorker, who thinks that uh, holler at each other is a gesture of friendship. You know, welcome to New York, we've yelled at you, you've made it, you're one of us. There are ways to protect ourselves from this noise. If we can afford it, we might find a quieter part of town to live. But How many neighborhoods in New York are really considered quiet? I start to doubt myself, because I'm no longer sure whether I'm healthy. When I leave town to spend a few days in a sane place, it's too quiet. I can't sleep at night. I need that constant background noise that accompanies our urban existence. It's as if the deafening decibels reassure me that all is good with the world. If I'm on even vacation, I get frustrated, you know, what's wrong with these country folk? Can't they arrange for at least an ambulance or two at three or four in the morning or at least, you know, the clock to chime in the village square every hour on the hour? Some of us try to protect ourselves from these intense intrusions. You see people on the streets of Manhattan with their noise canceling headphones and smartphones. But when you think about it, these smart devices make us dumb. What prompts an otherwise intelligent person to text and drive at the same time? and even just walking the sidewalks. Is it only me, or do you also get frustrated when you just know that the person in front of you is walking slowly and erratically because they are distracted from some noise that is coming from their smart device? Come on, even a square foot of sidewalk space in New York is prime real estate. The smooth flow of pedestrian traffic cannot absorb these dense, dim-witted, distracted deficiencies caused by, of all things, smart devices. But there's also another kind of noise that overwhelms us and is bad for our emotional and spiritual health. It's the noise of words. The Bible is concerned about this unwanted noise of words. In this week's parsha, Shmini, in the book of Leviticus, we read of a strange episode concerning the sons of Aaron, Nadav and Avihu. They are the ritual leaders of the community, the guardians of the sacrificial offerings. Right? The Bnei Mitzvah kids. The Bible describes how they offered up a sacrifice to God. But instead of accepting the offering, God rejects it, sends forth fire from the heavens that consumed both Nadav and Avihu, and they died at that very spot. It's not clear what they did wrong. It's still a matter for Jewish debate over the centuries. But you know what? That's for another sermon. What's interesting to me now? Is that Aaron, the high priest and the brother of Moses, reacts to the tragic and unsuspected death of his sons this way? The Bible states, Vaidom Aharon. And Aaron was silent. Aaron was silent. He didn't speak, he didn't respond to his brother Moses, who was trying to comfort him and explain the loss of his two sons. Vaidom, he was silent. The Bible is cautioning that words do not often reveal. They can obstruct. Like the ambient noise of the city, words too may obscure rather than illuminate. Even smart words can make us dumb. There are some situations where true understanding requires fewer words. Aaron was silent in the face of the death of his sons. He was silent in the face of his brother's attempt to explain the loss. Words do not always enlighten. They can darken as well. Think about how subjected we are to words nowadays. We are assaulted by words. Everyone is speaking. Everyone is speaking all the time. We live in an era of unrestrained words. Social media has unleashed a torrent of exuberant verbosity. Everyone is speaking. We say whatever is on our minds. We can't help ourselves. And we've caused real damage. Taunting on Twitter has led to suicide. Fearmongering mongering on Facebook has fomented fanaticism. We find like-minded lackeys in the echo chambers. We can excrete every foul word or thought ever devised in the human vocabulary. We don't even have to identify ourselves. We can hide behind the anonymity of cyberspace. We're exposed to this noise all the time. And it could be damaging to our health. Be honest. How many hours a day do you spend online? And what are we doing there? We're surfing sites, chatting with friends, tweeting, and retweeting. All the information ever compiled in the human race at our disposal. 80 million people on Justin Bieber's Twitter feed—all talking at the same time. Does all this information make us smarter? You said that. Who said that? Come on up here. No, Ah if it's here. You know. I agree. Doesn't make us smarter. It's a form of dependency that distracts us from confronting the real problems of the world? Is it a sign of engagement or withdrawal? Obliviating bloggers, breaking our bandwidth so that we have no space to confront the real problems of our lives. Perhaps it's a defense mechanism to avoid what's really important. Talking doesn't necessarily make us smart or wise if we are talking about unwise things. Reading newspapers doesn't make, it, make us necessarily smart or wise if the newspapers are covering stupid things. And anyway, do people even read newspapers anymore? People under thirty? You're not under thirty. Does anybody read newspapers? So many get their news nowadays from Bill Maher or John Oliver, if they're interested in news at all. If all CNN talks about all day is Trump, 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 it's a lot of trumpets, trumpeting a lot of noise, a lot of words, but not a lot of news. If all that the local news talks about all day is crime, natural disasters and accidents, it's a lot of noise but not a lot of news, and not that much wisdom. If I can look any up any fact I want online, it's a lot of information, but not a lot of wisdom. And we don't even know whether the information we receive online is accurate or reliable. Like, uh, just the other day I was disappointed to discover that the story of the 101-year-old woman who gave birth. It wasn't true. Shucks. I had a sermon all lined up about how one should never give up in life. (laughs) Bernie Sanders was questioned on NPR. I don't know if you saw this. NPR, no less, about his supposed dual Israeli citizenship. You see that? NPR later apologized saying that they were misled by the internet. There was some neo-Nazi site that they got the information from. At least that's what I think, because I didn't actually hear the interview and I assume that this information was reliable because I got it online. <laughs> this noise distracts us and we don't even realize it. And then one day we discover that we missed the news. We didn't even realize that we were listening and reading the wrong stories. How did ISIS come to be in the first place, out of nowhere? While we were distracted by Brian Williams reporting the news, we missed the real news that should have been reported, but wasn't, because all the time was spent on the news of Brian Williams, rather than on Brian Williams reporting the news. And thus it seemed to us that ISIS came out of nowhere. One fine morning, there they were. It only seemed to us this way, because all the bandwidth was taken up by other things. And this noise made us dumb, not smart. If the entire election campaign is filled with talk of whose wife is hotter, or whose hands are bigger. I actually do think we learn something important about the personality of the candidates, so it's not completely wasted. But we lose precious bandwidth to absorb and reflect upon other, more important information. You know, Jews are such a verbal people. We talk about everything. Even spirituality for us is a verbal exercise. Non-Jews are often dumbfounded by Jewish prayer that seems to them just a lot of noise, like the first half hour of our service is clapping. And or if you go to an Orthodox community, just a lot of verbiage. You know, we don't do well with silent pauses. Even in our worship service, we have set aside time for silent prayer. But we get nervous after 30 seconds of silence. We want to talk to God. We have a lot to say. Unlike other religious traditions for Jews, to find spirituality in silence is often an unsettling proposition. To sit up on top of a mountain and meditate all year in silence is not usually uplifting for us. It is not usually spirituality for us. It is the definition of torture. But from early days, Judaism recognized that to acquire true wisdom, deep insight and good values, we had to learn to shut out the noise. Not only the surround sound of the city, but also to lower the volume of the verbal cacophony. There is bad information. There is useless information. And there is such a thing as too much information that overwhelms our senses and breaks our bandwidth. One of the key challenges of our lives today, especially today, is to find the place of silence. We read in the first book of kings of the prophet Elijah. Elijah was weary and afraid. He was pursued by his enemies. He thought he would die. He finds a cave and hides inside. Suddenly the voice of God comes to him, Why are you here, Elijah? And the prophet responded, I am moved by zeal for God. Come out of the cave. God commanded, and stand on the mountaintop. And we read that there was a great and mighty wind splitting the mountain and shattering the rocks. But the Bible emphasized God was not in the wind. And after the wind there was an earthquake, but God was not in the earthquake. And after the earthquake there was a fire, but God was not in the fire. And after the fire, there was what the Bible describes, Kol de mama daca, a still small voice. And Elijah recognized God in the still small voice. The lower volumes are often where we find wisdom, understanding, and insight. Find those places in your life as well. The noise gets all the noise, but real understanding is in the quiet.